Our Bible reading today is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. You can find that on page 1015 of the Church Bibles. That's Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus, son of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. Marvellous. Do keep that open in front of you. That's the, the bit we're going to be looking at now. Uh, and let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we were singing just a moment ago that we, we want you, we need you to open the eyes of our hearts. We pray that your spirit would be at work doing just that as we read your word. Please would you drive it home to us so that we understand it, so that we love it, so that we love you and want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Libby and I spent over a decade in Nottingham. And uh, you might think, oh, well, that's, that's very gritty, you know, Shottingham as it's known, gun crime, capital of the UK, all that kind of stuff. It was actually very nice. But we then moved from Nottingham down in every sense to Surrey, to Guildford. Now you think Guildford, that is number 10 on the list of happiest, richest, healthiest, most crime-free areas in Britain, uh, which is really, really great, unless you grew up in number four on that list, obviously. <laughs> but anyway, no, so we moved from Nottingham to Guildford, and we were expecting it to be very different. We were expecting it to be sort of going up in the world, in a sense. But one of the things we noticed very quickly about Guildford was the number of people begging. So, yes, there were lots of sports cars. Uh, there were lots of expensive designer shops. Money was very close to the surface in people's conversations and thoughts. But all along the high street were homeless people sitting by their sleeping bags asking for money. It was actually quite shocking when we first moved there to see it. To have all of that wealth and all of that poverty side by side. What shocked me more probably was how quickly you get used to it. How you stop seeing it. You want to stop, you want to talk, you want to see if you can help with people. But there's going to be somebody else a little further down the road in the exact same situation. And I really do need to get to Boots for a meal deal. And your priorities shift. You can't stop every time, can you? You can't possibly. Can you? When people call out for, for cash, for help, for anything, is it better to just put your headphones in and uh, pretend you didn't hear? You see a lot of people very studiously kind of walking like that. I'm not going to even look down to see. 
Or do you actually make eye contact and smile apologetically? Is that actually any better or worse? I don't really know. It's amazing how quickly compassion fatigue sets in. There's just so much need, so much going on, and I've got other things to do. Well, in the the bit of the Bible that Carl just read for us, we see a beggar calling out to Jesus. This would have been a common thing. We would have seen there would have been some all the way down the high street. As He's like, what's he going to do in this situation? How's he going to react to that? Is he the same as us? Is he different to us? And what would Jesus' reaction to this one man teach us about how he feels about us? What he, do, what he would do for us? It's a beautiful story, a wonderful, vivid encounter with the kindness of Jesus. So much kinder than us. And that's the the first thing we see uh, in this passage. We see that Jesus has mercy on the poor and blind. Jesus has mercy on the poor and blind. This story shows us how generous he is, how generous Jesus is with his gifts, with his time, towards those with the least. So set the scene, Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem. So they're still a little way out. They're about 18 miles away to the northeast, and they're passing through Jericho on the way. But it's hard traveling when there's a crowd following you everywhere you go. It's kind of a mob of people. Picture sort of paparazzi around a a celebrity, all the bustle, all the noise. It's all happening as they're trying to get out so they can keep going where they're going. But over all that chaos, there is somebody shouting, Jesus! Jesus! It's actually getting quite annoying. If somebody's shouting over the top, there's quite a few people shushing him and saying, just please stop it. It's loud enough as it is. But he keeps going. He just won't shut up as he just keeps going, Jesus, son of David. Just shut up. You know, when somebody is just going on and on and on and on and on, they want him to be quiet, but he absolutely won't. It's a man called Bartimaeus. Now, if you look at verse 46, that tells us two things about him. It tells us that he's blind and that he is a beggar. Now, sadly in those days, those two things often went together. If you didn't have medical help, you didn't have social support, you didn't have braille, you didn't have so many of the things we have nowadays. It's hard enough today to be blind. But back then, they absolutely wouldn't have been able to work or do hardly anything, and they had no income. And so often they were forced onto the streets to beg if they wanted to survive. And that's what Bartimaeus did. He found this spot on the roadside, just outside the city gates. It'd be a great location. You catch everybody as they come in, everybody as they go out. So he's there as he would have been every day, begging. But today, he can hear that it's different. There's more people around. There's more fuss. There's some kind of VIP or somebody like that is in town. And they're heading this way. It's getting louder. And, he, and so he asks somebody, he's going, excuse, excuse me, mate, what's going on? Can you tell me what's going on? And they say, yeah, well, it's, it's Jesus. He's just leaving. And that makes his ears prick up, doesn't it? He's obviously heard of Jesus. He's heard about what Jesus has been saying, what Jesus has been doing. Because have a look at verse 47. It says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Over and over and over, he's shouting that. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Over and over until he's really disturbing people. Please be quiet. You're being so loud. 
Verse 48 says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You can understand why he would shout, wouldn't you? Jesus has been doing amazing things. He's been healing people left, right and centre. He's been healing people in a far worse situation than him. People with incurable diseases. I heard he even healed a dead girl, for goodness sake. Surely he could do something for me. The things that you might have been dreaming of, they're actually happening. And now he's here in my town and he's leaving. Of course you'd shout. This is going to be your only chance, maybe. There's you sat on the floor, invisible behind the crowds. When you feel desperate, when you start sort of just yelling and banging and clapping and making as much noise as you can to draw attention to yourself, anything to get him to notice you and maybe help you, people can shush you all you like. You're just going to keep shouting out, aren't you? And it works. Jesus hears him. Through all of the the noise and the hubbub, he hears this man's cry for help. And he doesn't say, I'm sorry, I'm on my way to Boots, actually. He can't ignore it. In verse 49, it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. Call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And quick as a flash, he's up on his feet, he's pushing his way through the crowds, making his way to Jesus. Is this where Jesus says to him, look, I can't stop for everybody. This is really ridiculous. We've got places to go. We've got people to see. If I stop for everybody, we would get nothing done. I could really do... Um, what do you want? Come on, what do you want? He doesn't do that, does he? The man has been crying out for mercy. Have mercy on me. And that is what Jesus has. He asks him, What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that a wonderful thing? He just turns to this poor man and just says, how can I help? What what do you want? What do you need? What What do you want me to do for you? And the answer comes straight from the heart, doesn't it? Rabbi, I want to see. That's what I want. I want to see. I want to see the sky. I want to see the sunshine. I want to see the people I love. I want to see where I'm going. I'm begging you. I just, I just want to see. And so Jesus gives him what he asks for. He gives him what he needs. He says, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight. That is an amazing thing, isn't it? That is an amazing display of power. Beyond all modern medicine, beyond anything we've ever known, just with a word, this man goes from blind to perfect vision it's more proof isn't it we've been gathering evidence if you like over months now really as we've been looking at this mark's gospel together it's more proof that jesus is the christ he is the promised rescuer the promised king who has the power to put the world right but it's his heart i think more than his might that's on display here. This is an insight into Jesus' character. The man is crying out for mercy. Have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. Care for me. Be kind to me. And Jesus is. He has mercy on this poor and blind man. There are so many other people. There is so much else to focus on. But Jesus makes time 
for Bartimaeus. He stops in his tracks. He looks for the person in need. He creates space for him. He listens to him. He gives him what he longs for. He opens this blind man's eyes and gives him his life back. No more darkness, no more begging on the roadside. He's free now because he trusted in Jesus who has mercy. That's what Jesus puts it down to. Your faith has healed you. And it's not that faith is a, a power in itself. You sort of think, oh, if only he had a bit more faith earlier, he could have been better earlier. No, it's not that. Faith is not a, a thing in itself which we need a bit more of, as it, were, as it were. Jesus is the one with the power, and faith is just grabbing on to him. Your faith was well-placed. You put your faith in, in me, and that's why your faith has healed you. So it's crying out for mercy. That's all faith is, in a sense. Crying out for mercy in the right direction to the one who actually can sort it out. So he's saying, you turn to me in your need, and so your need was met. It's a wonderful encounter, isn't it? That, that, and that's the basics of what happens. Jesus is walking along, he sees a poor and blind man, and he heals him. It is wonderful. But it does get better. Because this story isn't just recording what happened. It's there to show us that Jesus has mercy on us. Jesus has mercy on us. This isn't just good news for that one person. It's good news for everybody who needs mercy and cries out for mercy to Jesus. Left to ourselves, without God's help, we are poor and blind. Poverty, blindness, those are pictures of our real state before God. And that's how Mark has been telling his story. Those kinds of ideas about poverty and blindness being signs of our spiritual needs, that's been all throughout the story. And, and, and through the first half of Mark's gospel, that was all about getting to this question, who is Jesus? Who is he? Nobody's understanding who he is. Until, if you remember, we got to chapter 8, when what happens? Jesus heals a blind man. It's the perfect illustration. He gives this man his sight, and the story immediately afterwards is his disciples finally seeing those two things go together. They finally see who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. And we're supposed to put those two things together and say, naturally, we are blind. But when Jesus opens our eyes, we see him for who he is. Now, if you remember that last story uh, of, of healing a blind man, he healed him in two stages, didn't he? He first healed him enough that his vision was there, but it was very blurry. And then he made it fully clear. And that was a picture of the way that the disciples couldn't quite see everything yet. They were still in the dark about a lot of things. They didn't understand Jesus' mission. They didn't understand what it meant to follow him. They were still very fuzzy about those things. And so what we had was this next section of Mark, which we've been looking at since Easter, where he predicts his death three times. He's saying, look, that's what I've come to do. That's what you can't see, but that's what I've come to do. I've come to die to die to rescue you. And in between those three predictions, he's been teaching us, teaching the disciples how to be disciples. What it, does it mean to follow him, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him? Because our blindness is half cured if we can see who Jesus is, but if we haven't grasped what he's come to do and that we need to follow him, well, we still can't see it yet. 
So what a fitting way to end this section than Jesus healing a blind man again. Bartimaeus is a man who can see who Jesus is and how to follow him. We have got a lot to learn from this blind beggar. He is someone who understands Jesus' identity. Do you hear what he calls him? Son of David. Son of David. He hasn't just sort of got Jesus' dad's name wrong. Say, actually, Joseph. No, it's not saying that, is it? It's talking. It's a massive claim to make. Say, so he's the son of David, King David, who lived a thousand years before, and God had made David a promise. Two Samuel seven, he said this to David: "When your days are over, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name." And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So one of the descendants of David was going to be God's king forever. His chosen ruler, the Messiah. Bartimaeus has heard all the things Jesus has been able to do. He might be blind, but he can see full well who Jesus is. He's saying, look at this man. He's, he's bringing in God's kingdom. He's doing exactly what we've been waiting for. This is the one. He is the son of David. And that's why he calls out to him. Because he's got the faith to see this is the Christ. This is the rescuer. This is the king. Jesus, having mercy on this man, is how he treats everyone who trusts him as king. So this morning, if we know that Jesus is the Messiah, if you know Jesus is the son of David, then Jesus has had mercy on us. He's enabled us to see. That is a miracle. None of us worked that out. We had our eyes open to see it. We were blind. And he's opened our eyes to see what a merciful king he is. What a wonderful king he is. But we weren't just blind, were we? We were also poor, meaning we, we had no resources to sort ourselves out. Spiritually speaking, we didn't have two pennies to rub together, just like Bartimaeus, the beggar. Now, coming to Jesus with nothing, again, hopefully that's familiar. If you've been around the last few weeks, we've seen that loads of times. This whole section of Mark, we're given loads of examples of who Jesus came for. So, a couple of weeks ago, the little children were being brought to Jesus. The disciples rebuked them and said, stop it, don't do that. He's too busy for people like you. And Jesus says, no, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In fact, we all need to be more like children, coming with nothing and just receiving the kingdom as a gift. Again, isn't that just like Bartimaeus? He's there with nothing. He's crying out for mercy. He's not going, let's strike a deal here. I'll do this, you do that. No, he's got nothing. He's just shouting out for help. And he's got many people rebuking him and telling him to be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for stupid people like you. And again, Jesus is adamant. No, we're going to stop. We're going to listen to this person. We're going to help this person because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these to the dirt poor, to the needy, to the desperate. The rich young man had refused to follow Jesus. He says he went away sad because he had great wealth, whereas Bartimaeus has nothing, which means 
Now I've got Jesus. Well, that's everything. That's fantastic. And so he's full of joy. Can we see when we're putting it all together and we get to the end of this chunk of Mark? This is the attitude we're supposed to have. This is the attitude we're supposed to have. Calling out for Jesus to have mercy on us, to come to him humbly, to come to him empty-handed. As long as we think we are fine, we cannot be helped. If we think we are spiritually rich and we have everything we need already, we're not going to cry out to him. We, we think, well, actually, I've got my own goodness. That's going to cover the tab. That'll be fine. And we won't follow him either, will we? Because we say, well, I'm, I'm kind of going okay as I am. We won't think, I need to totally change direction and follow him. Or we might give, say, yeah, I suppose I'll follow you in my head, but I'm not actually going to follow you. But when we see our lack, when we see our spiritual poverty, then we will plead for mercy and receive it. We would quite like it, wouldn't we? If the role model that Jesus holds up and says, this is the sort of person I'm talking about, was a bit more flashy. The rich young man would have been great, wouldn't it? He'd say, oh, wow, I get to be a rich young man. Fantastic. You know, wouldn't it be good if the, the, the shrewd entrepreneur, the person who can sort themselves out, who doesn't have two pennies to rub together, but they'll work it out and they'll pull themselves up by their bootstraps, that would be nice. But our actual role model is a blind beggar. The person who knows they can't make it on their own. The person who, without shame, plonks himself down every day where he has the chance of being seen and helped. Can you imagine the disciples doing that at this stage of their discipleship? Just last week, we were reading about James and John, weren't they? What did they want? They wanted power and status. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. It's so wrong, it's almost funny. What do you want? Make us first. Well, maybe not first, but like as first as you can be. It's completely the opposite attitude. Whereas in verse 51, Jesus asked Bartimaeus the exact same question so that we'll draw the comparison. What do you want me to do for you? And his answer is totally different. I want to see. I want your mercy. It's the polar opposite of James and John. One lot want a throne and the other just wants a lifeline. Or as uh, Jason Meyer put it, the disciples ask to be seen, whereas Bartimaeus asks to see. And it's notable that James and John are told no, whereas Bartimaeus gets what he wants. Can we see that relevance for us? Can we see how this is the right way to approach Jesus? It might be that some of us are proud and we need to hear this challenge that we cannot come to Jesus if we think we're doing him a favor. We need to admit our true state. We are poor, we are blind, unless Jesus has mercy on us. So it might be that you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus. Will you humble yourself today? Will you see that the best you have and the best you can do is not enough. You need him. We need him to go to the cross for us, to take away our sin, to take away our debt, to take away our shame, to give us what we need. We need his mercy. 
if only we'll call out for it and receive it. And even for those of us who do follow him, this is a good reminder, isn't it? It's not like you need to start like Bartimaeus and then afterwards you can be a little bit more proud. No, we owe it all to mercy. This is the humble attitude we still need to have, that attitude of a poor blind beggar who has been given their sight and is full of joy because of that. It's a humbling story, isn't it? But it's a story as well that can restore our dignity because there are other people among us maybe who who would hardly dare to hope that Jesus might notice us, who might be so aware of their lowliness that they find it hard to even cry out, why would he stop for me? Why would he be interested in me? Well, we need to hear these words, don't we? Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. He is stopping for you. He hears you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to give you what you need. Jesus has mercy on poor blind beggars like us. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that wonderful that the son of David is that sort of king? Of grace, of mercy. We're going to sing later on. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. So how should we respond to all this? If this is a story of not just him having mercy on one person, but how he has mercy on on everyone who calls, how should we react? Hopefully it's obvious. (laughs) We need to cry out for mercy. We need to cry out for mercy and follow Jesus. This is not the kind of story we can just smile and say, well, that's nice for him. If it's true, it demands that response. However many times we've responded before, we need to call out for mercy and we need to follow him. So however long you've been uh, following Jesus already or not, if you can see your need today, cry out to him. If you can see that he is that king who was promised, come and follow him. Join in with Bartimaeus when saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a prayer we can all pray, whether we're becoming Christians right now or we have done this for decades. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't let anybody else put you off. See, if you're in real trouble... If you are in real trouble, you stop being shy, don't you? You don't think, well, I don't want anyone to know I'm in danger here. I don't want to make a fuss. I don't want to disturb anybody. That's exactly what you do want to do, isn't it? You make a noise and you make a fuss and you help, 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 help. You want to get people's attention so that you will get helped. And that's what Bartimaeus does. Everybody around him is trying to shut him up. And he shouted all the more. There might be that there's situations where you think, well, I can't cry out for mercy because so-and-so wouldn't like it and they'll tell me to be quiet. No, we call out for mercy anyway because it is what we need. And having done that, we need to follow him. Follow him, not proudly, not prayerlessly, the way we've been seeing the disciples doing it, the kind of people who turn other people away because obviously we're the only ones. Now we follow with joyful abandon, like Bartimaeus did. 
It's great, isn't it? Again, if you've been coming for the last few weeks, after weeks and weeks of really bad examples of how not to follow Jesus, we've finally got somebody doing it, jumps up to his feet and he came to Jesus. And when Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you, he only wants to go wherever Jesus is going. It says immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now that's really significant, isn't it? We've been all about what does it mean to follow Jesus. Bartimaeus gets his sight and follows him. And we know where Jesus is going. Back in verse 33, we are going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. That is the road Jesus is on. That is the road that he's calling us to walk on, to follow after him. Are we prepared to follow him where he's going? The rich man would not give up his money, but the beggar leaves everything behind. And you might think, well, of course he did. He didn't have anything to leave. And on one level, that's precisely the point, isn't it? Whatever we leave behind is nothing compared to having Jesus. But there's, there's a detail in verse 50 that, that a number of other people have, have spotted, that when Jesus calls him, we're told Bartimaeus threw his cloak aside. That's the one thing he actually does own. And he just, whew, get rid of it, get to Jesus. And more than this, of course, according to various historians, beggars in those days would stretch out their cloaks on the ground in front of them, sort of half on their lap, half in front of them, the way a, a, a busker might put their guitar case down. It's somewhere to drop the coins. And he's sort of saying, well, whatever takings I've had today, don't care. I want Jesus. That is a brilliant picture of true discipleship, isn't it? He doesn't have much, but he's willing to lose it to follow the Lord. I wonder what that would look like for us. Here is a person who started the day begging for change, little knowing how much change <laughs> Jesus would bring. Can we see Jesus rightly, like he did? He's the son of David. Can we see ourselves rightly, that we're poor, we're blind? Can we respond rightly, crying out for mercy and following him? Let's pray. Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, that is our prayer now, that you would have mercy on us. We want to see, we want to follow. So please open our eyes and have mercy on us so that we do just that, we pray. Amen.